Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. pretty much the same as what I already announced, but the uh, Cold As Fuck comedy show, which is happening on Wednesday, October 6th at 7 p.m., that's going to be at the Yard Theater. It's in Hollywood. It's on Melrose. It's going to be an amazing show. Please come. If you come to the show, I will I will shake your hand. I will take photos. I mean, it's going to be really, really good. You have no idea how incredible this show is going to be. It's a variety comedy show. The lineup is amazing, and it's going to be such a treat. Kristen Lundberg and I are co-hosting it. I'm really excited for it. Please come through. On October 14th at 6 p.m., I'm going to be at Stax Comedy, which is uh, at Sideshow Bookstore. It's a really fantastic uh, show that Milan Patel runs, and I, I love that guy. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really fabulous. The Comedy Roof is one of the best shows in Los Angeles at the moment. Always got an amazing lineup. Always a fantastic time. So if you're in Los Angeles, please come through. I would love to see you. The show I'm going to talk about today is a classic. <laughs> it is a Korean drama classic. And if you grew up with K-dramas, you know, you know this show. It's called Autumn in My Heart, a.k.a. Kaldonga, and it is a year 2000, a Y2K drama that was released on KBS, and it put Song Ye-kyo on the map. The, this is what people don't understand. Prior to Autumn in My Heart, prior to Kaldonga, like pre-Kaldonga Song Ye-kyo, she was a nobody. Nobody knew her. Isn't that insane? Isn't it insane that there was a time when nobody gave two shits about Song Ye-kyo? <laughs> and today she's considered like the most beautiful woman in South Korea. It's like her and Kim Tae-hee and Chun Ji-yeon. It's like the three of them. That's the trinity. That's the trinity of, of hotness, of beauty, standardized beauty in Korea. It's like you got to look like one of those three. Right. And for me, like Song Yi-kyo, she's she's my favorite. I would say she's the hottest one. Uh, so Song Yi-kyo is uh, the star of Autumn in My Heart. She co-stars alongside Song Seung-on and Won Bin. So <laughs> this is like the hottest three people in South Korea in the year 2000. They just put the three of them together in this one drama. And it was a mega hit a mega hit like people in China they still watch Autumn in My Heart like it still broadcasts in China so Song Ye-kyo she was starring in like Korean sitcoms when she was really young um Song Ye-kyo actually started out very young she started off as a model like a child model so she she was in show business since since her childhood but uh, Song Seung-on, he started out as a model. I believe Won Bin also started out as a model. If you look at their faces and look how tall they are, you'll understand why they would start out as models, right? So Song Yi-kyo was also a model, but she was a commercial model. Uh, I don't think she's very tall. Like, I, I, from what I hear, she's very, very short. But she's very beautiful. And uh, Autumn in My Heart is just one of those dramas. Like, for me, 
right? Like, oh my God, this show came out 21 fucking years ago. Like I was a teenager when this show came out and this show messed me up. Like it fucked me up good. I was like, how old was I? I guess I was 13. Oh my God. So like, I was like at the height of my adolescence and I watched this show and it just messes with me right like you know i'm like pubescent i'm feeling feelings that i never knew i had and this show messes me up right uh what i love about this show is the fact that it just it's brutal it brutalizes its protagonist and everybody around them like everybody just pays dearly for the the sins caused against this protagonist and it's like who's doing this to her who is doing this to someone kill right so this is the premise like this is the premise of the show if you're not going to watch the show then let me just spoil it for you right now but if you're going to watch the show i think you can watch the whole thing on youtube just look it up on youtube i think you can watch the whole fucking thing sometimes like if i'm really not feeling anything there are there are times in my life when i'm just totally numb then i will re-watch autumn in my heart just to, <laughs> just to brutalize my innards just to feel something again it's like it's like cutting yourself watching autumn in my heart is the equivalent of cutting myself so if you watch autumn in my heart you're gonna start feeling feels okay so i uh i saw this when i was a teenager this is the this is the premise okay um, so there's a little girl, she's born, her name's Cheongsa, okay? Cheongsa is her name. So she's born into a very rich family, right? Uh, but Cheongsa and this other poor girl named Shinet, they were switched at birth, all right? Some little kid, supposedly, like, it's implied that it's Hong Seung-un's, it, it's, it's shown that it's Hong Seung-un's character. So, uh, uh, Seo, who's Hong Seung-un plays, so, Cheongsa's older brother Chunsa, like he swaps these um, placards, the name placards on the baby bins, and he's like like a three year old. He's a toddler, so he doesn't realize what he's doing. But he switches the 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 names, and the fate of these children are totally like messed up forever, right? So Shine, who was the actual daughter of the rich family, she ends up in the poor family, and Cheongsa ends up in the rich family. Okay, now. <laughs> When when Cheongsa and Shine are teenagers, they do a blood test because Cheongsa gets to an accident. They do a blood test and turns out Cheongsa is not the daughter of this rich family. So they go through this like mental and emotional crisis. They find out that Shine is the actual daughter of this family. So what this uh, rich family does is they offer the poor family's mother, they offer to take Shine and bring her to the rich family's house and just they will all just live together so they're like saying i'm gonna take away your daughter right like even if they're not blood related like they still live together you know they're still mother daughter like you can't break that bond but that's what the rich family does and uh Cheongsa, being the very kind-hearted and considerate young girl she leaves the rich family for good and goes and lives with the poor family's mother who's a single mother because the father her husband died of leukemia now Years pass, okay? Now the rich family, they moved to America. They were like, we can't take this shit. We're going to leave. They leave for America. They leave behind their daughter, Cheongsa. And Cheongsa grows up. And she didn't get to uh, finish... I think she barely finished high school. She didn't get she didn't get to go to college because she couldn't afford it. And she's just been working her whole life, right? To make ends meet. And she her blood related older brother is a piece of shit. He's like a gambling addict. He's 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 awful. So he's always like, you know, putting the family into financial ruin. So anyway, Cheongsa 
is working at a hotel. She's working as both an administrator and as a uh, hotel maintenance woman. And uh, she meets this hot guy, this really, really hot guy played by Wonbin. His name is Han Tae-seok. And Han Tae-seok is into Jung Seo. And he's like, he wants to sleep with her, right? Like he propositions her. He's like, if if you sleep with me, I will give you money, right? What a what an asshole. And Jung Seo, and this is a very famous line. Like it's quoted all the time in Korean variety shows where they parody this show. She, she says, how much can you give me? I need money. How much can you give me? And that just like messes with Han Tisok's head. And he's just like, oh my God, I'm such a dick. I'm a creep, blah, 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 blah. Right? All this shit happens. Now, uh, Song Seung-won's character, Jun Seo, he comes back to Korea as an older person. He's a painter now. He's a professionally world-renowned painter. He has a fiance and he's kicking ass and he meets Jung Seo. He meets his long lost younger sister who he's not blood related to but but <laughs> this is a messed up part like all right they're not blood related but they mentally and emotionally they are siblings because that's what they've known each other to be for the first 13 years of their lives uh <laughs> they start falling in love with each other right and like that it just this just messes this puts the whole family into this like mental crisis mode they're like how could you be in love with her she's your sister and he's like no she's not my sister that's why you ditched her and you left her behind and we moved to america remember it was to to make me it was to convince me that she's not my sister and i'm convinced that she's not my sister and i'm in love with her <laughs> like it's so fucked up and i remember when i was a teenager i would go to church on sundays with like you know with my other korean american uh, church people and they would all just be like this this show is creeping me the fuck out like they couldn't stand it they could not stand this show there's this uh tv scholar and he wrote this text a television studies text studying gender differences and television reception so basically how uh, women as audiences or women TV viewers respond to television versus how male viewers respond to television. And that women are more uh, open to things like incest, homosexuality, transness, like women are a lot more flexible and open to these kinds of things on television because they're used to seeing these kinds of themes on soap operas like that was Bordwell's theory um, personally I think that's a very essentialist theory uh, also gender is a construct like it's not determined or dictated by our physicality as we now know right I mean there are people who are non-gender binary there are trans women there are trans men uh, so this whole idea of uh, essentializing how women are more open to these themes because of soap operas. I think it's it's kind of pushing it for me personally. I think the theory is a little bit dated. I don't know if he wrote the book in the 70s or in the 80s, but it's, it's, it's a while ago. It's several decades ago or maybe 90s. In any case, it's an old ass text. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I don't know the exact precise date, but it's an old ass text. It's definitely not from the 2000s. It's like year 1990, if not earlier but there is something to be said about openness okay and perhaps even the queerability that 
these kinds of shows have for the viewer, okay? So the more open you are to these things, the less ridiculous that they seem. Or even if they seem ridiculous, you can understand it in camp terms. By camp, right, I mean, fucking Susan Sontag wrote an entire book on what camp is as a definition. But camp is something that you see as excessive and hyped up and like almost ridiculous, but it's celebratory, right? So like uh, when you go and watch drag shows, right? Like on Monday nights, if you go to the gay bar, you see drag shows, right? With drag queens, drag kings, and they're like, it's excessive, a lot of costume, a lot of hair and makeup, uh, you know, like songs by power divas where they belt out, okay? So there's this excess uh, in terms of glamour, in terms of materiality and presence and uh, sound and visuals and all of this. And all of it is in the realm of uh, hype, hyperbole and it is celebrated, right? So there's this beauty to it. There's this, um, there's a love and appreciation around camp themes and camp things. So for me, uh, Korean dramas like Autumn in My Heart is is a camp drama. And in that regard, it has a queer potential. Okay. Um, so Autumn in My Heart gets more ridiculous. Okay. So Chungsa. <laughs> uh, Okay, after she goes through all this pain and agony of being abandoned by her rich family and then finding them again and then falling in love with her brother uh, and everybody's rejecting her there. Everybody's saying you can't be in love with your brother. You guys are assholes. Like, stop it. You're ruining our lives. Right. Like they go through all this nightmare. And what happens? Chung Seo gets diagnosed. She's like age, what, 22, 23. She's so young. She gets diagnosed with <laughs> stage four leukemia. Okay. It's the disease that her poor father died. The father she never met, okay, is the disease that killed him. And she gets diagnosed with stage four leukemia. And now it's like, like, Chunsa went fucking crazy. Like, he's just like, now I have to be with you. Like, nobody's going to stop me. We're going to be together. <laughs> okay, so they decide to do this, like, their own little personal small, like, wedding ceremony. Like, just the two of them at this school that they used to go to when they were kids. It's, like, really fucking weird. Um, and then shortly thereafter, she dies. <laughs> she dies. She dies at the beach. And this is something that um, you also see in Stairway to Heaven, right? Like, the 2002 drama, Stairway to Heaven. I think it's a 2002 drama. It might have been 2004. But that's the drama that I talked about um, with, uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, Chiju. Chiju is in that. And um, she also gets <laughs> cancer and she dies at the beach. And I'm just like, what's with Korean drama directors and killing off their leukemia-ridden female protagonist at the beach? Like, why does it have to be at the beach? I mean, why are you ruining the beach for everybody? Like, a beach is a happy place, you know? Now, every time I go to the beach, I imagine Song Yi-gyo and Cheju dying of leukemia. Like, that's what I think about. <laughs> Yo, like, year 2000, K-dramas, they did not fuck around. Like, they were fucking intense, all right? Autumn in My Heart is uh, part of the... What do I what do they call it? It's called the Endless Love Trilogy or something. Um, so Yoon Seok-ho, who is the director of all of these dramas. So he he directed um, Autumn in My Heart. That's the first one that came out in the year 2000. And then he directed Winter Sonata, 
uh, with Cheju again with Cheju, okay, um, and uh, Peongjun, right, Yonsama, as known as in Japan, came out in 2002, and then one year later, uh, this uh, director Yoon Sakho he he brought back Song Seungeon from Autumn in My Heart, and then he paired Song Seungeon up with everybody's favorite Son Yejin. All right, so Son Yejin. Excuse me, Son Yejin and uh, Song Seung-un are in this drama Summer Scent, and it is part of the this uh, K drama director's um, endless love series. Okay, um, this came out in the year two thousand. Summer Scent came out in two thousand three. It's not my personal favorite, honestly. It's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a shitty show. But if you love Son Yejin, if you love Song Seung-un, this is the show that you should see. All right, and unlike autumn in my heart okay autumn in my heart fucked people up all right so many fans wrote in letters and they were like if you guys do this to again if you guys do this to us again we're gonna boycott your shows like we're not gonna watch your shows ever again like so i I heard this is just a, a rumor i don't know if it's true but the year that winter sonata came out everybody said because like i don't know like korean drama netizens like korean drama fans of the internet they're insane like they know everything they somehow like news gets leaked and they would just it would go viral and they would know everything so everybody knew that before the series even ended everybody knew that the writer and director were going to kill off uh Jun, his character in winter sonata and these fans wrote in letters and they were like if you fucking kill Jun, no like we're, we're done with you we're done with the both of you like we we we're not gonna have it. So the writer and director they decided collectively to change the ending, and they saved Peongjun and they gave Cheju and Peongjun a happy ending in Winter Sonata, right? And I think that that power, that empowerment, and that motivation to write in and be like, no, do not kill off our protagonists. Hello, stop it. I think that came from the fact that they were all scarred and just really messed up mentally and emotionally broken after watching autumn in my heart i mean that was a fucked up show man i was depressed for a full year this is not a lie i was depressed for a full year after seeing autumn in my heart that's how messed up they were the ruthlessness of course today when i see people being like ridiculously insanely brutal to their characters like i kind of laugh about it but still i do get affected like i really do get affected by it okay homeland right with claire danes um when they killed quinn's character i was seriously depressed i think for about like four days straight i was really blue like really really blue every time i had a drink i was thinking about how sad i was over quinn's death i was like they really did him dirty on that show you know so like i mean what do we make of that like what do we make of our affective um our affective feelings around these characters our affective attachments to these tv show characters characters who were not real technically they're not real in our day-to-day lived reality but in another sense they are real in that we have an emotional attachment to them and you know they're recurring characters and we see them visually and visually we are you know stimulated and we know their names and they have feelings and they they you know these actors breathe life into them and they have actions and they have stories and histories around them and so they they kind of do have a realness 
around them. Like uh, Bambi Haggins, she wrote that great article. Um, it's in it's in this uh, TV anthology book. Uh, she has this great essay in that book where she talks about real feel. Okay, that's how that's her way of measuring or gauging the realism of television, and it's based on feeling, right? Like we gotta acknowledge feels. We gotta acknowledge the feeling. We gotta acknowledge affect, and consider it just as much of a priority as the other things. The things that you know STEM fields consider so important, like numbers and uh, whatever, machines, like whatever the fuck. All right, but feeling is real. You know why? Because we're human. We're human. Okay, feelings are very important. And um, you know, for me personally, like my feelings, I'm able to intuit my world, where I'm at in my life, how to take care of myself, what I need, what I don't need. Like. I, my, for me, my feelings are my compass, my navigational guide, and they're very important to me. And when I'm watching TV shows, they are fully on. So if you ever have feelings for TV shows and TV characters, I feel you, right? I see you and it's real and it's nothing to poo-poo or nothing to, you know, consider less than some other shit, you know? It's, it's just as important as the ratings is my point. Okay. So autumn in my heart, great show, <laughs> great show. And I think it's very appropriate considering that autumn is here. Autumn is now fully here. Okay. Today, I'm going to talk to Elbert Danger Kim. He is a stand-up comedian based in Los Angeles. Uh, Elbert is an interesting guy. Um, he's Korean American. Um, he has this, uh, younger brother vibes that I get, uh, whenever I see him, Elbert is, he's a good son. Okay. He takes care of his, uh, mother who is, um, I guess she's, she's a sick woman. So Elbert is a caretaker to his mother, which is a very good thing. Um, Elbert's a good guy. Elbert's an overall good guy. He's part of the LA comedy community and, uh, I think that is worth something. Um, and we had a very interesting conversation around themes like fear. Uh, fear came up numerous times. So uh, <laughs> it was an interesting chat. Let's talk to Elbert Kim. Thanks for making the time, man. Yeah, thanks for scheduling this. This is cool. This is the first time I've been on another comics podcast. Really? Yeah. I know everyone's got one, but no one, you know, they're like, they'll plug it and be like, hey, I got a podcast. I'm like, cool. And you wait for them to be like, you want to you be on it? But <laughs> So I just like stand there. I'm like, cool, man. You got a podcast. Are you going to invite? Okay. Nobody asked you? No, no one asked. They'll tell me they got a podcast. And I'm like, cool. Are you going you gonna to invite me on it? But they don't. That's messed up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I did a couple. Um it's it's whatever you know um yeah yeah yeah, it's just what it is i mean i think it's something that all the comics just started doing when we were all just locked up and had nothing to do and nowhere to go yeah i think that's when it started happening do you have a podcast surprisingly i don't i should i should probably start one why comic what (laughs) (laughs) or i mean Or just be be more original and don't have one ever. Right? Know? I feel like that's how you differentiate from the pack now. You gotta mm-hmm. just be like, mm-hmm. 
it's just noise i like your podcast though i checked out some episodes uh oh yeah which ones yeah i, well, I just checked out the most recent one where you're talking about tennis uh, also, <laughs> yeah. it was like it coincided with you <clears throat> on your uh instagram stories because i saw you just like bawling your eyes out watching that. oh my god i was dying i was just like <laughs> i lost my shit well it was just like that. yeah it was just an emotional week anyway because um do you know Fu Fu Kwan Johnson? Yeah, yeah, I was sad. Yeah, like that news like fucked me up, and I you mean, I was like, I mean, I knew him, you know, mm-hmm. like we were buddies, so I guess Damn. I felt affected by it. I mean, it's just sad when any comedian dies. I think, right? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you feel some type of kinship because we you know we're all in it together. We're all funny people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I've just had I've just had this weird streak of like entering a scene and then somebody who was like pretty prominent in it dying, but like I don't know who they are because I just haven't met them and everyone just being devastated around me and like having something to say and I'm just kind of like this is super sad. Like mm-hmm. okay, you know what I mean? Like I don't I didn't know them. Why? What was, other like, scene were you in? I was uh, in San Diego and. Uh, uh. There was like a comic who was there who uh he like died hmm. like, swimming at night and I don't know. Sounded it sounded kind of like suicide ish, but Oh Jesus. Yeah. So he was swimming and in the ocean. He was. And it was like he like it's like sus because he like he took off his clothes and put it mm-hmm. in a pile and then went into the ocean to swim mm-hmm. like at like two AM in the morning and then they found his you know, I'm not going into detail, but anyways, like yeah. I, that, it was devastating to the scene because apparently he was. That's like, horrible. It's yeah. horrible. It's yeah. even worse because that has such like a intense visual, you know. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, you yeah. know, like if for like a week, everyone was just, just a mess. But I didn't know who he was because I mm-hmm. literally never saw him before. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, "Hey guys, what's up?" And then they're all <laughs> just, <laughs> you know. And so I was like, I think I'm going to take a break for a little bit until this is. Yeah. This pulls through. Mm-hmm. But this year has been terrible in terms of like. Just it's been awful. Blows to comics. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, there was a, another comic, a young one. Um, I think he was like Filipino and gay. Like, I forget his name, but um, he also yeah, died. Glasses, I don't know. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah, him. Do you know him? No, I another person who like everyone seems to know. Yeah, uh, him, but I I never seen him. Uh, yeah, I think so. I've seen him like once or twice. And I remember thinking, oh, he's very funny, but um, I never really exchanged words with him. Like I wasn't tight with him like that. But yeah, it's just it's sad when like comedians die in our scenes. You know, I mean, yeah, it's That's a sad so, period. Like, dies. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like when Norm Macdonald like died too i was just like this is like the worst it's like the worst yeah. week ever i love that man i loved norm mcdonald oh my god he's just that guy was so smart he was yeah. he was always pretending to be so stupid but he was so smart <laughs> he him. had this like kind of like a andy warhol like insecurity like mm-hmm. uh like you say he's very intelligent like he's very well read but he didn't go to college like i think he barely graduated high school and so he's always been insecure about not being a learned man and that always like haunted him but 
Yeah, I heard yeah. Uh, with his book, he wrote it once mm. and then threw it away because he <laughs> thought it wasn't good enough and then rewrote mm -hmm. it, which yeah. was like insane to me because I'm just like, I'm going to write a screenplay and I, I don't even make it through one, you know? So mm. yeah, he could just write two back to back. It's insane to me. Well, I mean, it just goes to show, like, I mean, we're all capable of doing it. You know, if you could do it, you could do it, you know? Right. I mean, I mean, maybe one day. Yeah. Like, he's just, like, a peculiar person. Like, I was I was re-listening to his interview with uh, Mark Marin on WTF, which is, like, the only podcast I listen to these days. Mm -hmm. And it was from, like, 10 years ago. He did this interview in 2011. And he was just, like such a weird and interesting person like he was saying how he saw this 16th century painting at a museum and he hates going to museums like he has no interest in art but then he saw the 16th century painting of a woman that he thought was like really attractive like he was <laughs> like oh she's so beautiful and he was like falling in love with her but then it occurred to him that this was painted in the 16th century so she's obviously dead so he was like heartbroken over this <laughs> <laughs> and he was like genuinely like tearfully mourning this unrequited love and he was saying how fucked up that was because like even at his own father's funeral like he didn't cry but this like fucked him up you know Damn. yeah art yeah like he That's was like crazy. a weird guy like an intense dude and and very sensitive and very uh like introverted and shy actually you know like do you notice how like he never talks about himself in his stand-up yeah actually I, I did i was like it's always like a like a weird bit about mm -hmm. something but it's never like this is my experience mm -mm. doing anything mm -mm. never yeah. ever ever he never ever exposes himself and it's consistent with the fact that he didn't tell anybody that he had cancer for almost 10 years. Yeah, nobody knew. That's why, like, when he died of it, I was like, what? It made he no was sense. Still, he was still doing, like, performances mm -hmm. and, like, just chilling. Mm -hmm. I just thought he was getting old. Was, like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I was just like, mm, bad genetics. He's, look, he's looking bad, you know? That's the white in him. But it was yeah. cancer, so I feel bad now. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit. I know. Cancer was rotting him away slowly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sixty-one. That's not that old, you know. It's like, yeah. But what a trooper, you know. I think one of my favorite memories of him is, uh, was he got chosen to host the YouTube Awards, hmm. which is like YouTube try to do their own like, you know, <laughs> red own, carpet award thing, their and, own uh, Emmy thing. Okay. Yeah, basically, like the Emmys of of youtube's like and it was just like you know instead of an audience full of like rich people just it's like the worst person to like ask to host yeah, he's not gonna take that seriously no he came so he came and they had like a bunch of like meme like internet stars to like yeah. be part of this panel and like norm mcdonald is like the host and he yeah. comes in in a track suit <laughs> and like new balance just like a wife beater underneath and like <laughs> yes like a slurpy cup and he just sits there <laughs> and he's just he's just not taking it seriously and just trolling it and and he keep he would keep asking people who they were he's like who are you who are you again who are you again yes. 
And then since they're all like, you know, internet stars who are trying to be stuff, they'd be like, oh, you know, I, I do this. And, and like in, in between them explaining, he just would cut them off. So he'd be like, who are you again? And he'd just cut them off. I love, that's beautiful. That is And he just starts beautiful. smoking at one point. <laughs> yes. I love With that. cancer. With cancer. My yeah. Name, so With full on cancer. Yeah. Straight up. Oh my God. What a man. Seriously. Yeah. What a legend. Like, you know, when people ask me, like, who are your top favorite comedians? Like, he's up there. He's, like, top three for me, you know? Yeah, honestly, all my favorite comedians are dead. Like, uh, the last surviving one right now is Chappelle. Mm -hmm. And that gets me, like, on edge. Because, like, if Chappelle were to go, I would mm. I'd be devastated. Mm -hmm. And then I would have, like, no more father figures in, in comedy. <laughs> who? I don't, I don't even have a father figure in general. So I'm like... Not, yeah. not, don't take my comedy, Dad. Please. Yeah, it's the only one left. Um, I mean, I assume Rodney Dangerfield is an influence because you have the word "danger" in your name. A little bit, yeah. Um, it was kind of it, uh, like I like him, and huh. that definitely like uh, played a, a factor in terms of like should I use it as a stage name? But like I, I mm. used "danger" when I was in high school as like a just like a stupid nickname that i gave myself because i'm cool like that and why i don't know i was just like it was oh yeah i remember i i watched austin powers and the the entire bit of him having danger literally as his middle name i thought mm. was hilarious for some mm -hmm. reason it was just the right amount of stupid and goofy that just matched with me so like one day i was just like oh i'm albert danger kim but i yeah. was like a I'm, I was a pretty big pussy. I still, I still am. I'm like a really big <laughs> pussy. I just yeah. am. I'm, I'm afraid of everything. And uh, as a yeah. kid, I, uh, yeah. that would stop me from doing all the other things the other kids were doing. Like what? Like I was like a big nerd, and so they'd be like, "Yo, come out!" And I'm like, "Oh, like, I don't know if I should sneak out. You know, like uh -huh. I, was, I might get in trouble." Or like, you know, they're like, "You know, just defy your, defy your strict Asian mother." And I'm like, mm. "Oh no, I'm scared." Or you, you were know, afraid like, hey, of breaking rules. Breaking rules, doing okay. things that were scary, like go talk to that girl or ask her homecoming <laughs> or something. You know, I'm like, oh no, man, or like, you know, stand up to that guy. I'm like, oh no, man, I'm scared. You know, and uh, yeah. And, and after a certain point, like I think I got like to middle school, and I was like, I'm a loser, man. Like I, I haven't mm. really. I want to do these things, but I'm just so scared to do any of them. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I made I, one day. I just use that as a joke, but then somebody at one, po at one point said to me, he was like, we don't need Elbert Kim right now. We need Elbert Danger Kim. Uh. And I was like, all right, fuck, Elbert, Elbert Kim's a pussy. Mm -hmm. He's too afraid to do it, but what, what mm -hmm. about Elbert Danger Kim? Yes. And then I, w I did it, and then yeah. I just kept doing it like that. Mm -hmm. And then even with stand-up, I was too afraid to do stand-up. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, all right, Elbert Kim's too afraid to do stand-up, but what about Elbert Danger Kim? Right. And then mm -hmm. uh, it just kind of became my stage name after that. Yeah, it's um, it's your alter ego. Kind of, yeah. But then it's like, is it, is it me? Is it a part of me? Is this just another side of me? Who knows? Everybody has an alter ego. They just don't What's know yours? it. Mine, I have two, and they're always at war. I have a, a drill sergeant in me that's always like barking at me. To, but just know. at you, like not to anyone else. Oh well, you know anything that I do to myself, I do to others. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, the reason why I 
I have like a bunch of friends who are terrified of me and uh, strangers and, you know, um, acquaintances who are terrified of me is because of that side of me. Like I can be very intense sometimes, you know, like uh-huh. rigid and strict and like a lot of pressure on myself and on others and stuff. But then um, I also have this other side that's like uh, the inner child, like the one that just likes to like play and like, eh, hang out, not care. Yeah. La la la, like that side. You you definitely need that side if you're going to be a comedian. I feel. Yes. It's just the inner child. Mm-hmm. Like I was, um, I was talking about how like all comedians have Peter Pan syndrome, kind of. Like. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Right. Like I went to uh, Kadi Asad's birthday party that she was having at the park, and uh-huh. I was like, "Where? Where is her party? Where is her party?" And I saw like a, like a kids birthday party like pink <laughs> and balloons and hats and i was like that can't be hers but it was it was hers oh, yeah shit. so that's what we want but we just feel like you're too old to, to have it but you know this is the prime time yes. to do it because you can afford it hopefully yes mm-hmm. yeah it's important to uh tend to that inner child but a lot of the times you know like as we become adults or older or like uh i don't know more disciplined more jaded whatever you want to call it we suppress that inner child's voice and needs more and more and more you know and uh that's how people become unhappy yeah <laughs> so we <for> sure <laughs> actually i feel like that's my that's been my journey uh i feel like i've suppressed that inner child for for a little bit too long and mm. Like stand up has been how I've been trying to reconnect with that mm-hmm. little kid and mm-hmm. learn to play again mm. and just be my most authentic self. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to get there, you know. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah. when I first met you, I was super intimidated by you. I don't know, maybe you're in, <laughs> maybe maybe you were in one of those intense intense moments, but uh, I like I was like, hi. <laughs> you were just like scowling. And I was like, this is super, super intense. That's, yeah. That's intense. I scowl in general. I think I picked that up when I was in middle school. Because I, I went to, well, I moved around a lot. Like, I wasn't born in the States. I was born in Korea. And then I lived in Brooklyn, which is very diverse. And then uh, and then my parents moved, moved the family to, um, like, Rockland County, New York, which is the suburbs. And it's very mm-hmm. white. It's a particular, it's Irish Catholic white, and they're like the Ooh. most racist people. And it's pretty white. Yeah, I just couldn't stand the racism and the like incessant microaggressions and questioning. And um, so that's when I learned to scowl. It was to keep people away so that they wouldn't piss me off by asking me a stupid fucking question or saying some stupid fucking comment. So that's where that developed. And, uh, and, yeah. and, and then, you know, like just living in New York as an adult, like uh, I would get catcalled like every single day because, you know, I'm Asian, I'm a woman and like we're like the easiest target. So it was like literally in, like every single day somebody would make some crack, like some sexual remark towards me every single day. And so mm-hmm. I would scowl to try and eliminate that. But, um, well, yeah, so now effective. it's just a habit. 
effective. <laughs> You've if that's a weapon or a defense, like you have sharpened that <laughs> super yeah, sharp. It is. But you know, like honestly, when it comes to cat collars, like it doesn't really help. Like they'll do it anyway. You know, but um That's because the cat collars live in their own world. I was watching this video where it was like this this New York City dude who's like a notorious cat collar hmm. uh was being interviewed and by this guy who's like interviewing ca- guys who cat call mm. as like a way to like hopefully discourage it and this guy is just like you know typical like um yo i'm battalion like new york new york like guy and he's just like cat calling people while he's being interviewed uh-huh. about being ca- like being a cat caller he's like he's giving an interview he's like yo you know sometimes they just need to hold on one second hey hey baby you know he just starts cat calling yeah. somebody yeah. And then, uh, and then the guy's like, you know, they don't like, like that, right? And, and he's like, what are you talking about? What are you th-? Um, like? He, in his mind, he's convinced that they love it. Yeah. And so, I mean, you anything no you idea. say, anything you say to a guy who's catcalling, you're like, hey, can you not do that? They're like, why? This is the nicest thing I can do for you. And yeah. Like, mm. They have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. Oblivious. Yeah. But it does like fuck up a person's day, you know? I mean, I'm a lot better with it now, but like back then, like, you know, I was like so sensitive to that. It would, it would ruin my afternoon. I bet. Mm -hmm. It's like one of those things that, uh, I don't know, like I, I definitely get a better picture of when the more women I got to talk to as I got older, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like when you stop being (laughs) scared of them and you could talk to them. Yeah, exactly. Or I'm like, they're people. They just want to, they want to talk. They're not that scary. Uh, mm-hmm. but then yeah, you realize, cause like I've never been cat cold in my life, you know, mm. just never, it hasn't been a thing. Hmm. I've been like approached at gay, gay bars, but they're mm-hmm. like super, super cool and nice about it. And they sometimes mm-hmm. buy you drinks, which is like <laughs> probably not what a cat call feels like, but no, it's, it's, that's nothing like that. It's no. probably really dirty. I probably feel. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's just catcalling, it's one thing, you know, you know, I've been grabbed before, you know, like assaulted on the streets. Like it's, it's all kinds of fucked upness. And I don't know, like, I remember, like, this was during voting season. And like all these like, dudes who are running for office would like stand by the train station the metro entrance and like hand out flyers and da 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 and i'm like mm-hmm. i took one and i was like if i vote for you are you gonna end street harassment you know <laughs> and they just looked at me like what like i have no idea like you know we're gonna do something for schools and juice boxes or whatever i was like no i want you to end street <laughs> harassment otherwise fuck off like why should i vote for you you know um but it's like one of these sociological issues yeah like figure it out you know it's a sociological issue there's got to be a fucking way out of it you know and this and there's a lot less of that here in la like i don't really walk around in los angeles you know so i don't get it yeah. as much i feel like in la i i out of because i've lived in a lot of cities I've, yeah what cities have you lived in i've lived in new york boston dc uh seoul are you from the uh, east coast i am from the east coast yeah oh where I, I where up, in the east coast i grew up in virginia but uh, okay. i went to to college in boston and mm. like kind of just bounced around like new york boston dc for a little bit what did you and study in college in, i studied international relations <laughs> okay 
Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I originally wanted to study film, but then my my family uh, was like, "Ah, you listened idea. to the family." I did. I was eighteen, and I again scared, didn't know what the world's about. So I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna take a cue from my family on this one. And then yeah, like, you let fear drive you in the moment. That's a bad idea. Don't. But you never, you never it. thought about like switching majors or anything. College was a weird time for me. I, I, it's like again, I was suffering from Peter Pan syndrome. Like I, like I, I knew that there was like this deadline of when you exit school, you're gonna have to like be like an adult, get a job, do that thing. And I just didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I really didn't want to do it. So I just kind of like did my classes and then on my free time I, I i explored you know like i met a lot of people uh went to a lot of events did all sorts of things and like kind of like developed like personal growth over like you know any type of like academic or or like professional growth <laughs> like i wasn't like doing internships or anything like that so that by the time i got to like the end of my junior year i was like Oh shit! I don't know if I'm gonna work in this or do anything in this or even want to work. And then mm -hmm. I graduated and really knew I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then uh, actually, uh, I can probably I can probably say this now, but like I, I was applying for a job with the CIA mm -hmm. and uh, was like going through that process and then like eventually just just dropped it mm. and then packed a backpack and then just mm -hmm. started backpacking across Southeast Asia for like two years. Mm. Cause I was just like, peace. I can't, mm. I, I don't, I don't know what I want to do, but I know it's not this. So I'm just going to go. What year did you graduate? 2013. And then you went to East Asia from 2013 to 2015. Okay. Southeast Asia. Yeah. So I was like oh, backpacking yeah, around Southeast Asia for a while what parts like what countries i went to thailand i started in thailand went to laos mm -hmm. cambodia vietnam the philippines i stopped in india for six months to help wow. my friend make a company mm -hmm. and then uh realized that india is just... i don't know if you've ever been to india but like goddamn, that place is so hard to live in <laughs> like mm. it's just it's uh mm. It's too much. So I was like, I got to get out of here. But by that point, I was almost out of money. So I, I landed in South Korea mm -hmm. and uh, taught English for like almost mm -hmm. two years. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty that standard. Yeah. So that's what Korean Americans do when they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like our birthright, Korea. like our birthright tour, like to go in, teach way. English and make some money. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a frat party. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like when you, yeah. Have you hung out talk with about, expats? Talk about that experience a little bit. I have. I have. I have yeah. my own South Korea experience. But yeah, talk about that. Like what was what was like frat party like about being an English teacher in South Korea as an American or Korean American? At the beginning of it, it you you feel like this is like a different like experience of life you know like i'm i'm so mm -hmm. worldly i'm living in a different country like th this is like how you escape a nine to five you like you do something crazy like this and and like teach english and and, and your only responsibility at this point is like all right you go in you teach english which you know how to speak kind of 
to a bunch of little kids mm-hmm. and, and for like six hours and then anything after that is just you get to party they cover mm-hmm. they cover everything mm-hmm. so like most of the teachers you know are degenerates mm-hmm. just like functioning degenerates and you just go out and drink i was drunk every single day i was drunk there'd be some times where i was still hung over and i hadn't slept from the night before still wearing mm-hmm. clothes mm-hmm. from the previous day and i'd go teach kids mm-hmm. and i'm like this is normal mm. and, it to- and it totally is to, to that scene and then by the end of teaching, I realized that like, oh, these expats are all out here as like, uh, as like almost like they're they're just like, it's like a form of escapism, you know? Like yeah. you exist in this in this other country, and they they all really don't like talking about home that much. It's like they hmm. left for a reason. Mm-hmm. I started realizing this. Mm-hmm. But then like uh, I don't know, I just I drank too much, and then I st- I started having liver problems. <laughs> Cause I was I was legit wow. drunk every day. I was drunk, yeah. and because it was a mixture of like the culture and also like if you've got some demons, uh-huh. that's a perfect environment to to kind of like drown your sorrows. Mm. What were you, you running know? away from? Uh, grief and a general lack of understanding of myself, insecurity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, like fear of what I'm gonna do with my life, mm. and uh, it was actually in South Korea that I I discovered stand up. Hmm. Who were you? Um, who were your people? I guess in South Korea. The uh, there was this. I forget the name of this place, but like in Itaewon, there's this small. You have to like walk up a hill, uh-huh. and there's like this small little bar. I forget mm. what it was called. Uh, that would do an open mic night. Uh, mm every like i think thursday or something was it run by white guys it was owned by this like weird european dude who was like behind the scenes and he'd be like around uh-huh. but yeah it was definitely it was white owned and uh you get a good mix of like koreans and and uh you know expats who would go in there mm. and and it was like the only english mic that i could mm-hmm. find mm. and like i psyched myself up i'm like you know just try it out Mm. try it out and then like i went and like did okay like i'm not gonna say i did great but like you know like if you if you get laughs for your first time you're like oh my god it's a great feeling it feels good mm-hmm. yeah so uh it was it came at a time where i just didn't know what i wanted to do and like literally everything like any job interview yeah any anything i was doing just felt wrong and it felt like i was like, trying what to was do it something spe- yeah what was a specific what was the specific thing about the notion of working? Like, did you have any inkling or sense or vision of where, like what industry you would even be working in? Like what you would be doing? Like, do you have none of that? Like, did the whole idea of an office job just like, like repulse you? Like, kind of, it was more of just like the idea that, uh, I would have to spend my time doing that, you know, like, mm. like my schedule, my life has a schedule now, like this, mm-hmm. you go to work, you go to work, like mm. most of your time is, is devoted to, to making money, basically, because you need to do mm. that now. Whereas like before, it was more like, I was more like, ex- I like to explore. I was just, I just wanted to be out exploring like having experiences and doing things and just having fun. And then like, 
like a part of me felt like that was selfish like that's like uh it's just like you need to grow up like mm -hmm. life's not about just like having fun and for mm. to an extent that that is true but like mm -hmm. uh and that's well uh, who yeah, do you like, think is like, saying that who do you think is saying that life is not about having fun society capitalism maybe like <laughs> my parents i don't know it's like okay. it's coming from everywhere uh-huh you know like we, we we have so much pressure to like work always if, like mm -hmm. if you're not working people are like you're a piece of shit because you're not working yeah. hmm okay so you're like this yeah. marxist at heart and you're you're completely not at all into the idea of having to commit any kind of labor to doing something that you're not interested in right i just don't know like, what it is don't know but why we're doing not it. interested in it okay yeah all right understood and then you find comedy in soul and then where do you go uh, i came back to the states uh after korea uh thinking back to like, virginia right, back to virginia yeah because that's where my family mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. or was um and uh, i was like all right so maybe i'll come back find a job because i'm i'm broke and then mm -hmm. maybe i'll just do stand-up on the side and i mm. was doing that i was working at ups again as like my childhood job oh from, interesting. like age 16 to like it was just like a job that i could always go back to because like what did you do at like, ups i worked at the store huh so Got uh it. you know like those ups stores you go into mm -hmm. to like send stuff i, was, I worked yeah. at one of those okay and as long as you have the skills they'll hire you you know yeah. They'll just be like, do you know how to do this? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, you're hired. Mm. So I could just go back anytime and they'll just take me on because like mm -hmm. it was a revolving door of people just like coming in and leaving. But then I'd be yeah. like, hey, what's up? Yeah. And then uh, I tr I was doing that for a little bit and trying to do stand up in D.C. But the scene in D.C. is like really not friendly to, to newcomers. Oh, really? Yeah. Like they, they don't have open mics. Really? Yeah, they they call them open mics, but you have to get booked to be on the open mic. Wow. Okay. So that's not an open mic. That's, a, that's yeah. a show. Yeah. 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 And then there's even like a, a DC open mic page that like on the top, there's like a disclaimer that says there are no open mics in the DMV area. They're all they're all booked mics. Then how does it even function then? Like you gotta blow a person? Like how do you even get in into this exactly. circuit? It's weird. Like how do you start? So like I, I would show up, I would go to like there weren't many mics. There were like maybe five a week that you could go to and they're all like okay. sprawled out like between like northern Virginia, DC yeah. and like parts of Maryland. Hmm. And like, I would go and uh, just kind of be there. And, you know, I would like just hang around and trying to see like, hey, can I go up? And they'd be like, mm. uh, maybe. And then they're like, do you have a, do you have a tape? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm new. I don't have for a, a mic. Wow. Yeah. And they're like, nah, you know, like, you gotta hang around. So like, I went for like two months straight, wow. I think. It was mm -hmm. like for a long time. And then mm -hmm. uh, it just really didn't seem like I was going to get up at any point. So mm -hmm. I, uh, I left, I, I just like really wanted to pursue it. So I was like, you know what? I don't even like Virginia that much. Maybe I should move yeah. to California. And wow. then I moved to San Diego to, to start. And that's where I actually like started, like going to mics and grinding mics. Why San Diego that's, and not Los Angeles? It's an interesting choice. I was too afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I was too scared. 
Again, Elber pussy. Danger Kim. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was just like, no way. There's no way I can go to LA. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So San Diego. Yeah. San Diego's got a great scene. Yeah, it's pretty good. They have like pure mics. Yeah. You know, like when I, because in LA, there are a lot of like pay mics, but uh-huh. in San Diego, they're legit just like free. Mm-hmm. You yeah. just show up, put your name. And they got great clubs, you know? Got yeah. Madhouse over there and the La Jolla Comedy Store, right? Yeah, it's cool. Um, it was definitely a great place to start. But yeah. if I have to say anything about the San Diego scene, it's just that it's very white. Oh, yeah. So I, I, well. I kind of needed to like get more diversity or be around more perspectives than just angry white mm-hmm. guy comics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when, when did you like move up to show. L.A.? Um, like 28, 20, end of 2018, that's when I moved up to LA. About three years ago. Yeah. I like went Mm -hmm. to Japan and did a meditation retreat to get like (laughs) ready, you know, to get in that right, proper mind, that space. To get get closer to Elbert Danger Kim and further away from just Elbert Kim. Right. So I was like, you get, you got to get harmonic with this and then and then go to then go to LA cuz it's going to be crazy and then where was this retreat It was in Kyoto Okay I found you just really found cheap, it like randomly found, No okay so uh first I found really cheap tickets to Japan just like on this deal site it was like yeah. 500 bucks round trip which is uh-huh. crazy That is insane for Japan Yeah, yeah. and I've always wanted to go to Japan so mm-hmm. I was like mm, and I just quit my job and so it was like, I have free time. And then I've heard of that. This is called Vipassana meditation. Mm. It's actually fun fact for anyone who's listening is uh, it's free. It's completely free. And there are retreats all over the world. And it's like a nonprofit organization founded by this guy named Guenka. And he just wants to spread the awareness and the meditation practice called Vipassana. Is it a white guy? It's an Indian dude. Oh, and, thank uh, God. Okay. Yeah. But there are a lot of white people in there. Don't don't get me oh, don't get me wrong. Of course, of course, of course. They need some. Guidance. They are the market, most likely. Yeah, yeah. That's how this. That, how do you think this thing's being funded for sure? <laughs> white people join. They're like, I gotta donate. That was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've got money. Uh-huh. Of course, we've got money. We're white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So like, they have it all around the world. You can like go to like just type in Vipassana on Google and like mm. you, you just apply and sign up for one of the retreats and you do a ten day retreat. Mm. And they pay, they like they they give you food for mm. the ten days. You don't have to pay for anything. They give you lodging for the ten days, mm. and you just literally sit there mm-hmm. for ten days mm-hmm. without talking, and you meditate. And it it was cool. It's cool. It was like a really for me at least. It was like a really good experience to to get in touch with Albert Danger Kim. Any and, uh, any lessons from that experience that you remember specifically from that period, the ten days? Kinda. I just kind of like got to this point where I I just I was comfortable s- just sitting in one spot, and I mm-hmm. realized that my default, and I, I I'm pretty sure everybody's default is like you're you're like generally just unhappy, just sitting mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. and it's like you realize that you're just stuck in a cycle of madness of like feeling like you have to go mm-hmm. do something 
so that you don't have to feel like that. But when like the trick is like all you have to do is just sit there and just like feel how you feel and eventually you'll just like feel chill and just be okay sitting there. Mm. And so I yeah. was like super zen after this and I was like, <laughs> yes, this is great. I'm going to go <laughs> gonna take this feeling and immediately go <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to Los Angeles. LA. Mm-hmm. where uh yeah that quickly just disappeared now i'm just like stressed out and like breaking out <laughs> acne i'm just like oh my god what happened to the zen what happened to buddha what happened to all that yeah do you meditate i try to I actually like try when i come back after mics and I'll, like, I'll sit there and i'll like close my eyes it's like midnight and my brain will just start going over bits or something and i'm just like god damn it have you tried I, I try. meditating before going to mics like i stopped because i'd bomb you bomb after you I'd meditate bomb. I, like if i meditate before a mic i'll bomb really? I, i've noticed two things yeah if i can't read before i go on a mic uh-huh. or perform and i can't meditate because uh, i'll bomb or i also can't get high because i'll just like bomb okay, I, I get well, getting high headspace. I, a weird headspace interesting maybe too relaxed you're not on your maybe. toes yeah, like I gotta be like ready to like roll with it and like kind of you know play on the play you know play on, play on the balls of your feet and just be ready for what's no. what's coming. Whereas like when I'm like really introspective, I just kind of like get wide eyed and like I freeze. I'm just like, and I don't know what to do. And then I realize that there are like 15 people looking at me, and then then mm. it's a wrap. It's a wrap, and then and then. You know, you eat shit for like three minutes and then you get off and you're like, I do this for a living. This is interesting. Great. Well, then maybe try meditating like before you start the day. I, that's what I do. I, I, I have this morning ritual. I meditate in the morning and then I do uh, I journal and then I do this thing called EFT, which is like it's a form of meditation that involves tapping. And it's like it's like similar to like EMDR. So I've I do that. Where you tap parts of your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about it. So I do that. And then sometimes, like, you know, if I'm having, like, a particularly, like, anxious morning, then I'll do, like, I'll, you know, do more, like, intuitive exercises. I'll, like, draw something. And then I, and then my day begins. Yeah. Let me ask you something real quick. Do you mm-hmm. feel depressed and anxious or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. yeah it's like... Me too, which is why like I've I've been doing the meditation and stuff because I mm-hmm. also suffer from like depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Ever just get so frustrated that like just to be, you know, like that morning routine you just spelled out, like mm-hmm. th- doesn't it get you so frustrated that like you have to do all these extra things just to like feel mm. like like normal, mm. just mm. like able I to exist. Yeah, I haven't thought of it that way yet. Maybe that's just like a bad way to think about it, but that's like I think so because yeah. you could very easily switch that to gratitude. Be like, I get to do these things. These are tools that help me get better. Whereas before, I didn't have these tools at all. Like I think about my that's great because I've been great. I've been depressed since I was a child. I remember looking at like um, photos of myself like when I was a child, and I just remember thinking, man, like she was so unhappy like i I was depressed since i was very young yeah yeah and yeah and um 
like it's just it's been with me all my life and then i didn't get much of a handle on it until i would say you know in the last maybe 10 years you know okay but okay, so for the majority the yeah and then these these tools with dealing with anxiety because anxiety is different right mm -hmm. um that i only acquired like in the last year honestly and now i know exactly how to manage it or cope with it it's just you know that morning ritual is like very important to me now I was like listening to Helen Hunt talk about it too. Like Helen Hunt has some trauma. I mean, she was a, like uh -huh. an actress and she was a child. Of course she has them. And right. she was just saying like, you know, a lot of like Hollywood actors do the transcendental meditation TM. And for her, she's like, that's like a part of her day. Like she can't go about her day without doing it. It's like a, a an absolute necessity. And I look at it kind of like that. It's like I lived with these things all my life and they're uh -huh. very uncomfortable and even when i do do these things they still come up and attack me so the least i can do is actually dedicate myself to the consistency of it and i think that consistency um builds over time and right. gives me a, a certain stability like i've been doing this very consistently since um one year ago since uh -huh. September, like I would meditate like on and off for the last like, you know, for, for as long as I've been in cognitive behavioral therapy, therapy is another thing. Therapy also mm -hmm. helps. So I, I would meditate on and off, but like meditating is like, first it's boring and I don't know if it works, you know, like I had all these doubts around it, mm -hmm. but what I noticed in the last year is like, I've made like transformative leaps in the last year that I thought were, that I thought was like completely impossible, you know? And yeah, that's what I hear. It's like a lot of these things like you just do and then you forget about. And then yep. one day you just realize that yep. it's like made such a huge difference. Because it's rewiring your unconscious, you yeah. know? It's, you're, you're never gonna be aware of the changes that are happening. It's all in the subconscious. It's all being rewired. Yeah. And uh, you only notice it over time, retro, like you know retrospectively yeah. yeah you're like oh like i so used have, to have like, this you thing you have a very better way of looking at it like my mine's from like a point of rage you know i'm just like yeah. why do i have to do this like this is so frustrating. i think it's valid though you know it is yeah. frustrating it is like bullshit it's like well why do we you could even take it to why do i have anxiety and depression in the first place it could even go there but the thing about rage is it's like an it's like a, a bottomless pit. It never is satisfied. Rage, mm -hmm. you can satisfy rage. You know, like I don't know if you've had I mean you're Korean, so you probably like had moments where you just see red and you're like raging out on somebody, like screaming at somebody, you know. Yeah, it's very very Korean for sure. It's very Korean. Like you just yeah. black out and it's just gone. You're off. And, and then they're and dead and you're there's like, no I there's no like satisfaction or end to that rage it just keeps going but that's how anger works that's how rage works it's never satisfied so the only way to uh feel better uh -huh. is to um redirect it and wait yeah. as you say like you were meditating and you watch it sort of calm down right you, just pass it just it passes, passes. It passes i actually stopped like having because i used to have like huge fights with my mom you know yeah and we live together now so it's like 
Oh my god. I remember as a kid, like it would be bad, you know. But like now, yeah. I mean, she's she's still the same person. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, when she she does stuff that like pissed me off, like and I would like blow up as a kid. So your family just, moved to L.A. My mom did. My mom. My mom is here to we, be with you, sold. or she kind of just like wanted to leave Virginia. Like okay. she she sold the house. She had no reason to be there because like. Are you an only child? Just, no, it's me and my older sister. But my sister's like ten years older than me, so okay. she got so she married. Has her own she's life. got her own family and stuff. Mm-hmm. And my mom was just kind of like living in this townhouse by herself. And she yeah, you like, have a younger brother vibe. Do I? Yeah, yeah when I met sure. you, I was like, he's definitely younger than I am, and he probably has an older sister that he's like terrified of. Yeah, am I? Am I a lot younger than you? I'm like, I'm thirty. You're like, you were born. Let me guess, uh, 2013. Okay. So, um, 91. Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah. That's so you're four cool. years younger than I am. Yeah. Okay. I have yeah, a younger that's... brother. That's how I can tell. My younger right. brother's terrified of me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably why I felt it. I was like, she's got that older older sis gonna. You got the it. Nuna vibe. You got the Nuna vibe for sure. <laughs> the Nuna <Yeah>. scowl. <laughs> the unimpressed face of a Nuna. No matter what you do, I'm yeah, not I'm impressed. Just like, this, like bubbly little like, hey, what's up, hey, hey. Like, oh and I'm God, like, uh, shut up, go away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you're living with your mother. Okay. So um, adjusting to that lifestyle required you to sort of rearrange yeah, your like, perspectives? Yeah, like, well, I just got older, you know? Like, before it was, like, my sister who was always taking care of my mom, but then, like, hmm. uh, my mom moved out here, and then it's kind of, like, on me because mm-hmm. uh, my mom my sister's just kind of like doing her her thing with her family mm-hmm. and when my mom moved out here uh she got like really sick like right before corona she she like got tb oh my god yeah it's crazy and that's uh, such a like she's like like a 19th century poet or something who gets tb right? these days like they didn't even know what it was for a while until like yeah. uh like she finally went to a specialist and they're like holy shit you got tb and then they sent her wow. to the er and this is like right before this is right oh before corona. Oh my gosh. So uh-huh. so like yeah, so like I don't know, my mom almost died like that like right before. Yeah, it's a serious illness. Yeah, it was fucked up. They like give you like 20 antibiotic pills that you have yeah. to take when you have mm-hmm. TB, which is mm-hmm. nuts because like that thing doesn't die right away and it like You have to take it for like back. a year. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to go Mm-mm. outside. And oh my gosh. So she was cooped she, up at home before the lockdown. She was doing the lockdown before the lockdown. And wow. then the lockdown happened and she was still like, so she had to do like almost like double lockdown, double lockdown. And I, I had like uh latent TB cause like it, it can be not active in you. Oh, cause so, it's very contagious. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. live so with like, your I mother. Was like, close quarters so I, I i contracted it there's like a latent tb so Jesus. like i was taking antibiotics for like six months and i was like fucking me up oh my gosh and, uh yeah and then the and then like corona happens and like people were still trying to go to mike's but i was like my mom's recovering from like a a respiratory illness so I was like, there's there's no way there's I no can't. way Mm-mm. is she okay now she's doing better She's doing okay. a lot better. You can probably see the oxygen tanks in. Oh wow, the Jesus right there. Christ, man, that is intense. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, so like we were doing this way before it was like all over the news, you know. Oh my I mean? fucking like god! Oxygen and like I can't trouble believe breathing. your mom had TB. Jesus. Fucking nuts! It's yeah. just so crazy. Like I Who, didn't imagine like, this. Was gonna yeah, happen. I I've never heard of anybody getting TB in the 21st century. But I actually had like a not. It's not full blown TB, but like when I was switching schools, when I was going to middle school, that all white middle school, they do this. Um, uh, vaccination like just to test or, or they try to immunize you but then i had a reaction to it i forget the it's like d and p and something whatever but they were like mm-hmm. you have like the thing before t full-blown tb and i was in middle you, school you have latent tb then yeah maybe i had what you have so i had to take yeah. two kinds of antibiotics every single day for like a full year and a half and and I had a um, like a puffer for asthma. It oh. was like a lot, and I, I already had like a lot of respiratory issues because I had like pneumonia twice and like yeah, Dang like all know. kinds of shit. Yeah. So do you have weak lungs? Like in general? I don't know, but I know that uh, lung cancer is a family history on my dad's side. So, mm. and you know what? Even though I had all these issues when I was eighteen, I started smoking cigarettes like a fucking idiot and i smoked for nine years and then my uncle oh, damn okay you didn't even just like start it and like have a phase like, no man i was like damn. committed to my yeah. habit yeah and i smoked for nine smoke? years Probably not, right? no i quit because two of my uncles my dad's older brothers they both died like back-to-back lung cancer and then damn. their their sister also got lung cancer but she didn't she wasn't even a smoker her husband smoked and I was like, okay, three people, one family in the last four years, like that's enough for me to quit smoking. So like yeah, I literally yeah. I quit like cold turkey. Just no more cigarettes, I'm done. Respect. Man. Yeah. That's I mean it's a nasty habit and it's expensive. Like I was living in New York at the time, like, cigarettes were like fourteen dollars a pack and I was yeah. like, This is this is stupid. I don't even like yeah. it. You know? So I, sometimes I see people who smoke a pack a day. I'm like, dude, how you're how do you you're afford it? You're yeah, that's How like an you... hour of your working. You're working. <laughs> an hour of your work is a cigarette. Thirty lattes <laughs> to <laughs> fucking have that pack. To get that pack, it's it's a stupid habit. Like, um, and I guess my most recent anxiety attack or depression attack was like Tuesday when I got back to LA and like the you know just coming back to LA and knowing I have to go to Foo's funeral uh, memorial and seeing Norm Macdonald died. Like that was like the first yeah. thing I saw on my phone. And then uh, getting this letter saying like, well, you know, everybody on unemployment is no longer going to get the pandemic relief fund that was like giving us extra $300 a week. And that was like paying yeah. for my rent and shit. And it was just gone. Right. So it was like finance stuff, like death stuff. Like it was just too much. And, I was like going like spiraling, you know, like anxiety makes you spiral a bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what's the way out here? And then I realized I was like, well, I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to drink alcohol. I used to smoke a lot of pot. Like my pot habit was a very recent thing. I started smoking a shit ton of pot starting in March and then um, yeah, I saw you with I, the pen, right? You have like the I had a pen. Right? I smoked I smoked flowers. I had edibles. Like I was like fully into it and then i stopped it in like a month ago and pot pot is also expensive it's an expensive habit and i quit all of it and i was like oh 
I'm glad that I quit all that shit because if I'm not getting proper income anymore and I still had those dependencies, I would have still had those dependencies. I would have continued that habit nonetheless, yeah. even if I can't afford it. That's how people end up on the streets and shit, you know? So I was like, I'm glad that I was able to let go of those things fairly quickly and easily. Maybe it was to prepare me for this moment, you know? Right. So, I mean, that, that's what I mean by sort of like the rethinking, the redirecting the perspective so that I'm not unhappy. Yeah, you definitely need to do that. Otherwise, you're right. You spiral. Like You get stuck in it. Yeah. You know, so it's it's, it's it, it an entrapment. Get, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a ride that as soon as you entertain the thought, you just like hop on it and then it's a it's the express way to hell you know like you just there's no end to it yeah similar to the rage thing there's no end to it yeah you just kind of like figure that one you need a healthy outlet for it and then two you just gotta like when you're feeling pissed find a way to like not act on it for me it's just to remove myself from the situation Uh and then like literally five minutes after the thing that got me so pissed happened i'm like fine I'm fine mm. after that. So then, like, I can just re-enter conversation again, yeah, and be completely good and not say mm-hmm. anything that I'm gonna regret or do anything I'm gonna regret. Right. It's harder for me, honestly. Like, rage is almost—it's a vice. Rage is addicting, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, especially if you're right. You yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, I get to, I get to blow up right now, and I'm exactly. completely justified. And so you just go. The self-righteousness. But that's what ego is. Ego always insists that you are right. Ego says, yeah. I am right. That's what ego is. And Everybody always thinks they're right. Exactly. Know? Every person in an argument, each side thinks they're right. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to ask you some flashcard questions. And you sure. just answer them based on what whatever you would do in that moment, okay? Sure, okay. I don't know um, if you if you were sitting around watching Korean dramas when your mom and your sister were watching them ever growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there was a sh- uh, show called Kaldonga um, or Autumn in My Heart came out in the year two thousand. Does this ring a mm-hmm. bell at all? I've I've probably seen it because my mom watches all of them. You know. What I yeah. Mean? But yeah. I don't. You'd have to describe it to me, and maybe I might know it. Okay. Well, you know, in the in the questions, you will you will get the description. So gotcha. Okay. okay. Let's sure say yeah, yeah. Let's say you're a a girl named Shine. You're in middle school, right? And you mm-hmm. come from a really poor family. Your father was an alcoholic. He died of leukemia, and your mother is a very angry woman because she's you know broke as shit. She's a okay. single mother. You know, she runs a tiny restaurant. A lot of drunk men come to eat there. Uh-huh. Um, Am I you have an older you have an, huh? Am I pretty? Are you pretty? Not really. You're, you're, okay. no, right. not really. Also, no. you're in middle school. Like, what the fuck does it matter? <laughs> All right. Nobody it doesn't matter if you're pretty school. or not. <laughs> pretty yeah. in middle school? Um, okay. and uh, you have an older brother. He's a deadbeat. You know, he's an asshole. Okay. okay. Uh, there's this girl in your class that right. everybody loves. Okay. Her name is Unza. She's rich. She's, uh-huh. she's pretty and she's popular. And she's nice. She's nice to everybody. Everybody loves her, okay? Uh-huh. And you have a lunchbox, like a toshirak, and it's full of just one panchan. It's just kimchi and rice. That's it. It's like a broke bitch's lunchbox, right? My life and her, sucks. 
her lunchbox is full of like meat and all kinds of goodies, you know, and all the uh-huh. girls in class are like hawking over her lunchbox. They love her and she shares everything because she's nice, right? And uh-huh. seeing this makes your blood boil, okay? And Unsa accident very is an honest mistake. She accidentally bumps into you and you drop your lunch and it falls all over the fucking floor. What do you do? Like in character or like as who I am right now? Am I am like what do I do as her? You know, everybody asks me this. I don't know how to answer. It's just yeah, like you are her. And if I'm her, what would I'm you probably do? Probably super my my ego is pro- my, my like self confidence for one is probably super low. Yeah. Because you know, mm-hmm. you're in this really poor environment. You probably have a very low opinion of yourself because mm-hmm. you look at her and she's like, wow. And then you look at yourself and you're like, I'm just a piece of lint that has garbage for lunch. And so like when this happens, even though you're feeling this, yeah, just because you, just because I as this as as this like moderately attractive middle school girl who's poor mm-hmm. would probably not feel like I had the, the inner like the confidence, you know, to like okay. even if I was pissed to yeah. like give her a piece of my mind ah. in front of the class. I'd be like Interesting. You know, you know, like she'd be like, Oh I'm so sorry and I'd be like, oh, yeah. and then maybe in the bathroom I'd be like, that bitch <laughs> You know? But it wouldn't I wouldn't have it in me to be like super I wouldn't go in in front of the right, class if I right. was her. If like if that's how I grew up and all that right. all that background, no. Interesting. Okay. So you would yeah. confront her to her face, but you would bitch about it later. Yeah, probably just to myself, not even to like other people. Right. Because I, pro- I probably don't have friends because I'm like poor yeah. and stuff. You know, everyone oh, loves man. her. And I'd also okay. be afraid, yeah, that mm-hmm. like everyone would hate me mm. because if I was mean to her and everyone loves her, right. they would like, you know, defend yeah. her and then like It'll backfire. make my life yeah. more difficult. Yeah, exactly. So I'd probably totally. just be quiet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's say now you're the other girl. You're Unsa now. You're the rich girl. Okay. I get to be pretty now. Okay. You're pretty. Yeah. You're rich. You're sweet. Everybody loves you. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. you have you have an older brother named um, Chunsa. Yeah. And you guys have a great relationship. Older brother, younger sister, awesome relationship. Your parents mm-hmm. are both really loving. Okay. You and your family come home after a really nice evening out on your birthday. And you see Shine. That poor bitch standing in front of your house and she's crying and she claims to be the daughter of this house. And you're supposed to be the daughter of the shitty house that she lives in because the two of you were switched at birth and no one knew until recently. What do you do? One. That's pretty far fetched. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd be like, show me proof. Even if I wasn't this this girl, I'd be mm-hmm. like, you can't just show up at someone's house and be like, I deserve right. to be here. We were switched mm-hmm. at birth. I'd be like, who are you? You know, I'd be like, that's kind of. It's a that's lot. like, uh, yeah, it's just wild, you know, like mm-hmm. you need you need proof. Yeah. And if you need proof, because like she's trying to come for your life. Yeah. This is your CIA training coming in. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Probably they'd probably be like, you need to you need to murder her and make sure no one. No, I'm just kidding. But like I don't know, that's 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 wild. I don't know. Like that's not something a middle school girl needs to be dealing with. Mm, she should be going to like point. 
the authorities and being like, yo, we were switched at birth, figure this shit out, not, <laughs> not to another middle school girl and be like, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, right. Yeah. Gonna, what is she supposed this, to do with this we're information? We're going to figure this crime out, you know, together. <laughs> okay. All right. Very, very true statement. Yes. Cool. Okay. Let's say you're Unsa's non-blood related mom. Okay. You're the sweet girl's mother, but not related by blood. You find out that your daughter is not your own. This raggedy ass Shine girl who lives in that raggedy ass house with an abusive mother and abusive older brother is your real daughter. What do you do? Have I always been rich? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I've always been rich. Mm-hmm. Pro- I probably wouldn't care. Wow. Probably wouldn't care. You just continue to my- live with your. Yeah, because like rich people care about like saving face. You know, like things like, especially in Asian culture. Oh mm-hmm. my God! Like it's out of control. Then there's like this dirty secret that, like, mm-hmm. what would the other families oh, think of this? What would relatives will think talk. about this? Yeah, and talk mad shit. Mm-mm. And then the husband's image, yeah, the breadwinner, like ugh. disgrace. What if his coworkers found out? You yeah. know, it's unspeakable. Yeah, all the shame okay. that would happen. So you would right. just keep your mouth shut. I would just keep my mouth shut. Continue dusting shit in the house and like wearing slippers <laughs> indoors, like they do in like they do in Korean dramas. Like that's so like, like a slight heel, right? Yeah, the mom's right? having a slight heel in her slippers. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Wearing sweaters and shit. Yeah, indoors and just like wearing full makeup. Right, always, always just a lot of jewelry. Yeah, drinking a lot of tea. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. fair enough. All right. Okay, let's say you're Unsa again, all right? The sweet girl. Shine, okay. the bitchy one, the raggedy ass one, she moves into your house, all right? Uh-huh. And your parents tell her that they will raise her like their own with you and your okay. older brother, okay? Uh-huh. And you decide on your own accord to go and live in the poor family's house with the poor mother, okay? And you have uh-huh. this now new older brother who treats you like shit he's always stealing money from your poor mom and one day your parents and your older brother the fake ones okay the not blood related ones your parents older brother and shine they pack up everything and they move to america and leave you behind what do you do what do i what do i do uh hmm. she's in still in middle school right uh-huh i think you're just screwed at that point right like it's just you're hosed. You got got, you know. At that point, you just have a moment of realization that you just got got, and <laughs> there's not you just you, there's nothing you can do, you know. You just mm. gotta live with that abusive family and be poor now. Mm. Be be pretty and poor, and then go to school and have everyone be like, "Oh, she used to be so different." Because right. she had money before, but now she she doesn't, and that somehow oh makes my it God. different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. Or or if she still goes to school, I don't know. Maybe she decides to be a comic. I don't know what she, what's okay. in her mind. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, that's like the origin story of like a comic right there. You know? What yeah. I'm like. Yeah, you were switched at birth. You found out later when you're middle school. Your not blood related family that you knew all your life abandoned you and moved to America, and then you became a comic. Yeah. That could also just be a really good plot for like a revenge story, you know? 
Like if it you could. Were pe- you were petty. That's the first act. Mm-hmm. Right? Like maybe mm-hmm. not John Wick style, but like, you know, do some like old boy something. plotting. Something uh-huh. sick. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're you're the st- you're still the same person, but you know you're in top, but you're in your twenties now. Okay, you're a grown woman, okay. and you've been working at a hotel as a maid, right? And there is this really um, hot but annoying resident at the hotel, a guest at the hotel named Tishok, and he's like obsessed okay. with you, right? And oh damn! One night he's like really drunk, and he's being such an asshole to you, but he's like pretty hot. And he's like really into you. And he keeps pressuring you to go out with him. And he even propositions you out of a fit of rage. And he offers you money to spend the night with him. Meanwhile, you're a broke ass, okay? Your mom keeps getting hunted down by loan sharks because your deadbeat older brother keeps getting into trouble. What do you do? What day and age is this? Is this like. Stay your 2000. It's the year 2000. There's no OnlyFans yet? No. Damn it. I was going to say, like, be like, I'm better than this, and then just do it online. <laughs> you know? I think you could have done this online in the year 2000. I think they had internet could porn in 2000. Yeah. You could probably still sell your panties. I, I had a friend <laughs> who was selling her, like, in college, she was just doing this all throughout college, was selling her panties, <laughs> used panties for, like, $40 a pop. Wow. To people, and she would just mail it to them. She and probably could have gotten just... more. Underwear is expensive, man. Right? But yeah. she would just buy like these really, really cheap pairs and these ah, okay. bulk packs okay. and then she would just like <laughs> That's smart. wear it for <laughs> That's very, very smart. Wear it for a day and then just like yeah. send it to people and that's then they brilliant. would give her money. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I was like, you can just do that? Like it was just so wild. So like maybe you know, there there are other routes. If you're if you're asking if this man has is super hot, rich dude propositioned yeah. me for sex and I'm desperate. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know, she's smart. <laughs> Because if she's kind of dumb, then it's just like this is my only recourse, you know. Like, but she did not go to college. That's not that's not an indication if you're. Yeah, I agree, but I mean, I don't know. It's you're you're her. I'm her. You are her. Yeah. Okay, if I'm her. Yeah. Then I don't know if I'd be smart, but I I would. I'd be like, there are other options. Okay. Man. Maybe approach me when I'm (laughs) thirty, and. Life has really worn me down, and then I might. But I'm 20. I'm fresh. I have ideals still that are still shiny, and I have standards that have not been tested yet, and I'm going to say no because I'm 20. All right. Very good. But if I'm like 30, you know, maybe. Check in with me a few years later when I'm over the hill. When, when I'm 30 broken. fucking years old and I'm I'm just <laughs> there's no turning back when I'm old as fuck. Right. Okay. Exactly. Got you get it. it. Yeah. Okay. So you're now Chunsa, all right? You're Unsa's non-blood related older brother, okay? You're okay. all adults, all right? You have an art degree, you're a professionally recognized oil painter, all right? You're engaged to a woman named Yumi and you and your younger sister Unsa reunite over like after 10 years just reunite and you find yourself it's fucked up you find yourself falling in love with Unsa. uh-oh but your fiance yumi when she discovers that you're no longer into her she tries to kill herself 
because she realizes you don't love her anymore. What do you do? You're putting me in a lot of scenarios where it's like, this is you, man. You fell in love with your sister. Now. This is you. Uh, you You're, gotta, you, you gotta... are. Okay. This guy. Um... <laughs> it's... it's getting my mouth so dry <laughs> thinking about incest. I mean, technically, you're not blood related. Technically. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're not. Right? Bl- oh okay. You're not blood you were related. Because you switched at birth. You were switched at birth. Technically. Technically. But you did live Woody your Allen's first not like. Re- really, that girl's dad. Technically. Yeah. Okay. Technically, um, he isn't. That's like. That's like so Japanese. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so many Japanese animes where it's like they're not blood related so anything goes anything okay anything goes i mean i is it like is it like okay one how how much older am i to her about two years older two years okay and does she is she into me too yeah it's just like i'm just into her so it's like when like a hot sultry like there's like a fire between us that we feel and then my I mean, the the two of you were both very shocked when you realized that you had feelings for each other. But turns out, it's like the heart wants what it wants, and it is not stoppable. The heart is too strong. And you and you have a fiance, Yumi. You're supposed to marry this bitch, and Yumi. She tried. She's like suicidal. She slit her wrists and tried to die because you're into her. You're into your former younger sister. What do you do? I would. That's like such a tough spot to be in. I'd be like, okay, one, I probably don't have many morals because I'm a rich dude. So I'd be like, you know what? I love you. And this is so real. And it's not, we aren't really related. And then, and then also maybe go to my, my fiance who tried to kill herself and, and, and be like, don't do that. Okay. That's like, that's like I don't know. Okay. What else do you do in that situation? <laughs> you know? Right. I just be like, don't do, don't come on, don't do that. You know? You're gonna find you're gonna find such a nice guy who's gonna love you oh better God. than I did. That's not gonna be related to <laughs> to you. And you, as you can see, I've I haven't really broken up with many people, so I don't know how to do that. You just be like, I'm I'm sorry. Mm. Okay. I brought you some chocolate or something. Buy do you buy them a gift as like a? No. You're making faces. I'm I'm saying all the wrong things here. You yeah. put me in a bad spot. I did. Well, I mean, I didn't. It's it's the premise of the show. Yeah. Um. Okay. Fair enough. That is a tricky one. It's a hard one, but okay. Yeah, Let's say uh, suicide. In one. Yeah, it's a lot. It's intense. <clears throat> okay, so you're Inza again. Mm-hmm. Okay. You and Chunsa decide to go against everybody's word and be together. All right. But go against God. But you've started getting these nosebleeds so you go to the doctor and the doctor's like hey man you have leukemia it's the same disease that killed your dad who you never met what do you do 
One, I saw this coming. I saw this coming because this is a Korean drama. Of course. Yeah. Um, How how many months do I have? A few months. It's like stage four. It's pretty bad. I would keep it a secret Mm. and not even seek treatment. Wow. I'd just be like, fuck it. This is how I go. This is how I go. Whoa. And just like go hard. Just like, all right, we fucking, we better be fucking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm about to, I'm going to die. I would keep dropping, dropping that in like as like a metaphor, <laughs> but I'm being serious. Right. Yeah. To everybody. Like if we're going to eat, we're going to eat like I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> and and my fiance would be like, oh, wow, I'm really into how, <laughs> really into how you want to live just she's all about the present and then yeah. i would just die after four months and then he'd be you know and then credits roll wow wow kind of like norm mcdonald like don't tell anybody you just live hard and you yeah. just go yeah and then and then they'll be like that's so it was so her to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to have kept it a secret anybody. yeah and then have just oh gosh yeah, YOLO'd everything for the last four months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. She, she didn't pay any of her speeding tickets or parking tickets. That should have been a bad sign. Yeah, her credit card bill was really extreme. Like, yeah. But she Kept was just so ones. relaxed. Yeah. yeah. It was weird. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's say you're, you're Chunsa now, okay? You're the older brother. The one okay. that's like into his sister. Gotcha. You find out that your younger sister who you're in love with, who who your family abandoned at one point, who you now left your fiance for, who mm-hmm. made you determined to become a social disgrace. Okay. For has this cancer thing. She's dying. What do you do? So I found out she's dying? Yeah. How far along is she like on her deathbed or is she still like like, like stage four like she's like nose bleeding everywhere all the time she's, she's still like pale. walking around she's like she's not she's walking around but she's like not like fully there <laughs> she's like very ill she's okay, like she's... very very ill <laughs> okay she's very weak very weak gotcha like, okay yeah. but she's not like she's barely yet okay yeah, she's not quite lying up in bed and she's not bald and shit no no okay well i'll just be like yo i gotta be with be around you you're dying and i'm ri- i'm rich so i have <laughs> uh-huh. and i'm rich so i have the time and resources to devote to being around you because you're dying and and then I, is she, she's not seeking, uh, like, treatment, right? She's like, she's just like... She is. She, she's like, okay. she's on meds and stuff. Okay, then I, I would have one of those, like, rich guy moments where it's like, please, doctor, I'll give you all the money, anything in the world, please just, just save her. Mm-hmm. And I would do that and then be around her and just never let go of her hand. <laughs> because she's going to die. Mm-hmm. So you got to hold on to her hand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's true. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay. Last question. Yeah. 
Let's say uh, you're Unsa's non-blood related mom and dad, okay? The ones that abandoned her when she was in middle school and left you you left her behind and went to America, okay? okay. Unsa is now dead of cancer. She died. Damn. And on the day of her funeral, on the day of her funeral, your son Chunsa gets hit by a car and he also dies. What do y'all do? I see we're in the third act of this K drama, so everyone's just it's just popping off. Everyone's yeah. dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's over. <laughs> I don't know. You, I don't know. You, your your kid just died, so I guess you just grieve. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what else would you do? Like, um, yeah. He, I'd just be really like sad, be like giving a eulogy, like. You know, he was such a loving son. He loved everybody, including his half sister, <laughs> <laughs> to the point where he was gonna marry her. That just—he's such a good, good guy. Such a loving man. And I'm sad. Such a loving dude, and then weep. The end. The end. That's. I mean, I guess that poor girl is still alive. So then they'd be like, "At least we still got." Yeah, the other one. Real daughter. Right. We got she's not. She's not dead. Yeah. Thank yeah. God she's still yet. Because yeah, is, anything could happen. Right. Very good. Okay. Good. That's that's all of it. Those are all the uh, flashcard questions. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for I feel like you. that was like going through that that there was like a test <laughs> they're like you you're like you've answered the questions thank you and then I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put that into an algorithm and yeah and we'll see how you do yeah advertise to you yeah no cool. that's it um thank you albert this was great this was very yeah, this was fun very pleasant thank you appreciate your time and i'll see you yeah. around at some mics and shit you know yeah you too hey i saw like you were talking about moving to New York. Are you like sticking around here? Are you going to New York? What's going on? Um, I don't think I said I was going to move to New York. I was just back in New York for a little bit. Oh, okay. Just to, I just go back every few months. Gotcha. So you're like yeah. sticking around LA for sure? I think so for now. Yeah. We'll see what yeah. happens with like job situation stuff like that. I don't have control over wherever the job lands me. I'll end up at but yeah i prefer to stay in la for now yeah cool cool good to know then yeah for sure see you around yeah this has been fun yeah um